immigrants tend to be more entrepreneurial than the rest of the population. In 2019, immigrant entrepreneurs made up 21.7% of all business owners in the United States. Today, we talked to a New Hampshire resident and immigrant about her company who has found many ways to celebrate African culture and cuisine. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, yes. middle, middle of the winter. Ugh, burr. <laughs> I know, burr. Um, I, we haven't quite yet, and who knows, maybe by the time this airs, we'll have a snow day, and we'll see what that's like. I have a kindergartner. Your kids are older. You've experienced snow days pre-pandemic, um, but any any idea? Are you gonna be? Are you gonna have snow days this year? Well, we live in Rochester, Rochester yeah. and so I have a ten-year-old. Uh, so I have a fifth grader, and I've got a seventh grader. Mm. And um, we only had one major snowstorm so far during the school day uh, or the school week. And it was a remote day. They did not get oh, a, a full snow day. God. Other people call said, the governor. I know. <laughs> you know <laughs> Tell him. <laughs> I had such mixed feelings about it. On uh-huh. the one hand, it okay. was great to give them their computers because, you know, we're working from home and, mm-hmm. and say, okay, do your work and check in with them. And, yeah. you know, and they had their teachers and all that. On the other, I remember having snow days as a kid and you lived for it. I mean, you'd be up at the crack of dawn listening in on that crackly AM radio station. You never listened to any time before that. Yeah. And just waiting for you to come in. And of course I, you know, was and we lived in Merrimack, so we're right mm-hmm. in the middle of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So if you co- uh-huh. if you tuned in and they were already on the R's, you're like, oh, I've got I so long to wait. I know. Yeah, we were we were that way. So I lived in Rentham with a W in Massachusetts. Uh, so we had to wait all the way to the end. You know what my favorite was though? When we had a snow day. The two hour delay the next day because they were still cleaning up or there was more weather. I'm like, oh, I get to sleep in. Yeah, go to the bus stop two hours later than normal. Uh those were the days. And then always you had the opposite reactions. <laughs> the kids are cheering. We have a snow day. And my parents be like, oh, no. Mm, how are we going to handle this one? <laughs> Great. All right. Who's going to stay home with the kids? Who's going to make the mac and cheese so we can go to work and leave them here by themselves? Right. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, enough about, you know, us and and our childhoods and, and culture and all that. I think we're going to dig into some really interesting culture today with our, with our guest, um, LaFortune. Jeanette Jabia is founder and president of Mola Foods and a champion of African cuisine. She is a single mother of three, born and raised in Cameroon. LaFortune founded Mola Foods in 2016, offering spice blends and chili relishes inspired by exotic locations and exciting cooking styles. She holds a bachelor's in business management, a master's in public health, and a culinary certification in plant-based cooking. LaFortune, it's really nice to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us about Mola Foods. Oh my God. I know, right? Just open it right <laughs> up and, and jump right in. But I know, you're like, okay, go ahead. So um, you, you started um, in 2016. What was the impetus of, of that? Why did you want to start Mola Foods? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now she has to really dig in. Tell us why you didn't. Um, Interesting. 
it's very interesting because I I wasn't planning opening Mola Food. I wasn't even dreaming of oh having Mola Food. Wow. Or, you know, I didn't wake up one morning and I say, oh my gosh, I need to start doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, building this business is never, it never crossed my mind. Uh, but I think someone knew <laughs> that it was something that I needed to do, mm. right? So I have a, a childhood friend of mine, and we grew up together in Cameroon. He's in Australia now. And he kept harassing me, asking me <laughs> to make him um, use my grandmother's recipe. He's like, remember when your grandmother used to cook this food? And, and I'm like, yeah. He said, do you remember the recipe? I'm like, yeah, sure. I cooked with her, or, you know, every summer. And he said, it would be nice to have something like that, you know, hot sauce and, and things like that. I'm like, mm, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, he gave me the idea, but I just wasn't ready. I didn't feel like it was something that I wanted to do at the time. Yeah, granted, I love to cook. I That's really been my passion ever since I was a child, but I just didn't see how that will apply here in this context mm-hmm. for me to to be able to um, ask or bring a culture to the people in the United States and say, hey, this is my culture, this is how we do things, so will you purchase this for me? So I, I just didn't know how that will fit mm-hmm. in the United States for me to do something like that because uh, seeing how people were not open into a trying African food to me was kind of like, mm, I don't know, I, you know, I don't see a lot of people eating African food and I don't see a lot of African restaurants around me. Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do something like that. Yeah. Um, so eventually one day I woke up in the morning and I say, you know what? I think I am going to uh, try your idea and see <laughs> what you have. What? Why are you asking me to do this so often? <laughs> and sure enough, I created the first four chili relishes, which still are signature four uh, uh, in a company. And and then I say to him, I say, if I if I have to do this, I'm going to do this my way, mm-hmm. how I see it in my head. And how I see in my head was to have his idea of starting a chili relish company, but also to have spices Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was having a hard time finding spices myself in Mm -hmm. the United States. I was trying to eat food and the food just didn't taste like home. So I wanted to have food that tasted like home and with what I have here. Mm -hmm. So I needed to figure out what would be the best way to... Uh, create something that is uh, a reminder of back home, but that have I can find all the ingredients here instead of running and trying to ask somebody to send me ingredients from back home to create this mm-hmm. particular dish. And so I did. So I created the first four relishes and the first four spice blend, which was the upper paste, the Moroccan, the Ethiopian, and uh, the Indian. Mm. And wow. so, you know, you start this company in Nashua, New Hampshire. And so how did you go about building this business and getting people open to trying these new flavors for them? <sighs> <laughs> I'm still working on that. Okay. 
I'm still working on it. But when I created the hot sauce, I remember me going to Meredith at the genuine local because they were the first people uh, helping me in create this brand. Mm. I used them as my co-packers. And, um, and I had a conversation with Mary and I was like, you know, and she was like, where are you going to sell this? Because even her was kind of like a new thing mm-hmm. and she didn't know how to help me market it in the United States. So I was like, I don't know, I figured out something. And so I really had no clue where to start because the food business was not something that I was involved in the United States. So I had to learn step by step what to do. So I had a chance to come across uh, this woman and she said to me, she said, you know, they have farmer's markets. And sometimes when you want to introduce a new product, you should test it at those farmer's markets. And sure enough, I started contacting farmer's market around town and with that luck, I was like, what's going on? Why can I, you know, have the ability to present this product to the farmer's market? So she put me in touch with uh, Adrian at the Milford Farmer's Market. And Adrian was like, oh, sure, please bring your product. You know, we want to, we like varieties. We like something unique. So bring your product to the market. And and that's how I started marketing my product by going to the Milford Farmer's Market first. That was the first place I ever introduce my products to the community. And how did you find the reception? Was it easy to get people to come over and, and try it? Were you having to sell them on it? How were you interacting with customers to say, hey, this is, this is something probably new to your palate, but you should be trying it? <sighs> so I think my branding <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of helped. <laughs> so what happened was people were um, drawn by my labels, Right, so mm-hmm. I will sit there and I have this product, and they will glance at it, and then they will go by, pass me, and then they will glance at it again, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they will come back and ask me, "What is molar food?" That was always the first thing I, you know, and then I will explain what molar food is, and then they will try it, and I will like really, I will say, you know, in, in order for you to know what it is, you actually have to taste it first and mm. then do this well, oh my gosh it's so good and that's how people started embracing me coming to the market so it wasn't like you always have to ask them they'll be curious mm-hmm. because of the branding but then when curiosity takes the best of you and you end up coming in front of me and then I'm like oh do you want to try it do you want to try something and they're like yeah sure and so when they will try it and they will be like oh yeah I want to purchase this and that's how people started getting to know me and now I didn't have to um, kind of like bring people towards me they knew that I was at that market so they told other people about me and other people will come and talk to me and so-and-so say you have the spices and I'll be like, oh, oh I'll have it that day. I'll be like, I'm sorry, is that, are we out mm-hmm. <laughs> next day, you know, on the next market and stuff. And so it, it essentially drawing people to Mola Food was the branding. So I must say that my designer did a very good job, you know, having labels and mm-hmm. creating the design for Mola Food. That really helps. That's foundational stuff. The the right brand, the right look, the right feel. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned the the meaning of Mola. Is Mola a word with a with a definition, or is it an acronym that has another meaning? 
It's an acronym. Okay. Can you tell us about that? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> MOLA is an acronym that we kind of used as growing up among our surf in Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Uh, MOLA is a friend in Cameroon. So we call each other MOLA. Hi, MOLA, how are you doing? And, you know, so when I created the company, I wanted to create it for my friends. So then the best way, instead of saying friends company or something like Mm -hmm. that, I needed to come up with something that made more sense and that was more unique and appealing and that people would be asking questions because they wanted to know what what that mean. And mola is like a Spanish word, so you you get to see it all the time. They say mola money or mola. Everybody has a... Uh, explanation of what MOLA is, hmm, right? Okay. But to us, growing up, MOLA was friend, mm-hmm. right? So uh, hence, MOLA food, friend's food. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned you started at the farmer's market. Do you still go to the farmer's market? Oh yeah, you definitely. Go, okay. But yeah. you have a, you have a location in Nashua. Uh, is it a retail location? Uh, correct. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what happens there? So uh, right now we recently opened a retail location in Nashua mm-hmm. uh, back in February. And what happened at the retail spo- location is that we have a spice shop mm-hmm. there. Uh, we have a grab and go. We do tasting events, uh, grab and go and take out. So you can uh, come in and ask for food. Oh, I nice. do like African fusion of African and European cuisine uh-huh. at that location. And you're um, using your spices. And, and I'm using the spices and, yeah. and stuff like that to make these meals. Kind of like to introduce the uh, New Hampshire community into the African cuisine, not the African cuisine they are familiar with where they mm. kind of hesitant of trying. Mm-hmm. This is the more cleaner version of the African cuisine to say, I want you to try African cuisine. So when you're more at ease with how the food tastes and smell, then you can dive into the more traditional, you know, mm. kind of the food and stuff. So we do a fusion of that. And then we do tasting events at that location as well. Um, so tasting events, spice shop, dine in, take out, um, you'll find it there. Fascinating. We'll be right back with LaFortune Jabia. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. We're back with LaFortune Jabia, founder and president of Mole Foods. So, you know, uh, I love that you started off as a reluctant entrepreneur. Like, this was not something you wanted to do. But boy, once you got the entrepreneurial bug, you dove in. And I eventually do want to get to talking about some of the more recent uh, products and services that you've developed um, mm-hmm. as part of, of your larger company. But can you talk about what you were, your professional background before you became the head of and developed Mola Foods? <laughs> Um, so, uh, I am a, um, healthcare analyst. So as a healthcare analyst, uh, work for hospitals or, um, contract companies to basically, uh, we analyze data, if you <laughs> want to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
aside of that, I also do uh, medical coding for those companies and stuff like that so they can get paid for services rendered to patients and stuff. Um, but um, before all this background, I actually have a background on business management and international trade. So before I even came to the United States, I already have an international trade uh, um, background. So I, ha- I went to a three-year college in Cameroon where I actually did an international um, uh, bachelor, which I didn't complete. I finally did it here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a, a bachelor between the French. So it was uh, in Paris and it also was in Cameroon at the same time. So I was on that uh, level. And so I came here with that background, international trade and um in business, then I hesitated in going through it because at that point I didn't feel like my uh, uh, speech in English was uh, up to par to enter into this sales market and international trades and stuff like that. So I I kind of like gave myself time to do something else. So mm-hmm. I, I joined the healthcare business and I started going through school and I did, you know, I got my bachelor in business um, in business and uh, healthcare management. And then I got uh, a minor in science and then I moved up and started doing um, uh public health work, health promotion, health prevention. And I actually had a nonprofit organization for a minute where I created a nonprofit organization for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ran that organization for like four years. And that was healthcare? It was oriented. a healthcare oriented. It was to educate kids about different type, type of diseases and also to help kids not bully kids that were uh, ill because mm-hmm. of disabilities and things of that nature, not to see them as different, uh, but to see them as they see themselves as human beings and, and things like that. So I did that for a little while, even wrote a few books around diseases for kids and things like that. And then I essentially just went back to what I knew because I grew up in a farm with my grandma and mom. And I just, um, I love to cook. And yeah, so to me, it, it was just, what I do is not work. To me, it's not. I never feel like I'm working. I, I feel that. like I'm just having fun. Mm-hmm. So I don't get tired <laughs> because people <laughs> ask me all the time, are you not? No, I just do it. I just love doing it. Like I never... And I think that's when it clicked to me when my friend asked me to do it and I was first hesitant. But when I started and I realized that actually I'm more at ease in mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing than anything else. Wow. And then, you know, it clicked. So I, I, I have a lot of background on different things. So I'm really versatile, but, you know, now I'm more focused. I'm focusing more into this business of food and beverages and yeah. No. Now, when most people, you know, when you talk to them about relocating, they're talking in, in the United States, like, I went from one state to another. Not an entire different country and continent. So talk to, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, what, how old were you when you immigrated to the United States and what prompted you to do so? My mother. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's. Mom's like, Mom's. you need to leave. Yeah. Get out, get out, girl. Go. 
Um, so my mom has been in the United States her entire adult life and stuff like that. And then she went back to Cameroon and I was uh, going to German, uh, Germany because I, ha- I was the president of the German club. So I was mm-hmm. like very excited to go to Germany. And she said, actually, I want you to go to the United States. And I say, and why is that? <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, because that's where I want you to be. And she had lived here for a long time. I said, well, you're not there anymore. So what's the point? I'm mm. going to go to Germany because, you know, I'm the president of the German club and that's where I'm going. And she said, if I'm paying for you to go, uh-huh. you're going to the United States. <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, yeah. that is a true parent move. Yes, yes, mom. Yes, mom. You know, and I'm like, okay, but I don't know anybody over there. You know, so it's like, I knew no one over right. here. So for her, she had a couple of friends she was counting on to, you know, host me. Eventually, it didn't happen that way. So I had to re- use my own contact and ask them to ask their contact if they can host me <laughs> wow. to come. I was 22 when oh. I came to the United States. See, I think that's amazing. And 22, moving to a whole new country, a whole new culture having to to acclimate what was that i would find that incredibly intimidating what was it like for you it was normally i didn't speak english i I, you know i'm trying now (laughs) but i didn't speak english at all i understood it but i didn't speak because i was scared of speaking it Mm -hmm. right although i was president of my german club and we were also english was part of our group so Mm. we learned english and Granted, Cameroon has uh, the French and the English side. Mm-hmm. I was never brought up on the English side, so I was brought up on the French. Mm-hmm. But English was like a second language, so you had to learn it. But you don't necessarily have to if you don't want to. Sure. right? So I was never a fan of learning English because it was never something that I wanted to do. But I had a background on it, so I understood. I knew how to write it and everything. So when I came here, not knowing... English, understanding it, but not speaking it. Mm-hmm. And I'm by myself at this airport <laughs> and I have to find, look where I'm going and ask for directions. In the airport and, and outside of yes, the airport. <laughs> so I'm like, and I didn't have a book or dictionary to help me at this time. So right. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Right. So now here I am in a foreign country mm. I don't un- I don't speak the language. I don't know what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I need to ask directions. And so I had to go back to my lessons <laughs> and try to use as much broken English as possible uh-huh. to get information. But I understood it. So anybody who will speak to me, I'll understand. I just didn't speak. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and I put broken words together and got myself where I was supposed to go. Right. And then I got to my host family and I from there. <laughs> from the rest there, is you, history, you know, right? You, you know? just earned some degrees <laughs> and, and moved across the country and to, for, you know, a healthcare profession and then started your own business. Yeah, yeah. but you know, before yeah. I did all of that, I had three hundred dollars in my pocket. That's how much money I brought with me wow. from Cameron. $300. Okay. I had no more money than that. Now, mind you, $300. I had sent $200 to Western Union, mm-hmm. to Atlanta, Georgia. So when I got there, I'll have it. 
I had $100 on my hand for all my travels, wow. right? And I had used it all. So by the time, right. <laughs> by the time <laughs> I got to the United States, all I had was $200. Wow. I had nothing else on my name. Oh my goodness. $200 in a suitcase. So how did you then make it work? I just fold it right up here and like, oh my God, she's, I, I am like feeling, you are, you are amazing. This is, <laughs> what a you. cool story. Um, and Matt's right. How did you make it work? Well, I guess smarts, but. <laughs> so what happened is my host family, the first steps was when I came to the United States, I was fortunate to come with my green card. So I was already a resident mm, of the United mm-hmm. States, which kind of like helped. Sure. But I had to, um, because my mom being here, she legally recognized me. So I had that, you know, um, ability to come and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't need any right. papers. I'm OK and, and right. stuff. But I needed a job and I didn't speak any English. Right. So um, my host family, when I got there, say the first thing we need to do is open a bank account for you, mm-hmm. get you a driver's license, an ID, because I didn't know how to drive at the time. Um, get your social security number so that you can apply for jobs and all that. And I had to wait for all these documents to come because I just got here. I needed to present myself to the uh, immigration office mm-hmm. and tell them that I'm here so mm-hmm. they can send my green card so they can give me the ability to work. So during that time, I was just a bum sitting at home <laughs> learning <laughs> English. Just sitting at home learning English. I was yeah. just sitting at home learning a whole new language. I'm <laughs> right. such a bum. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I was like a couch potato. I guess that's how you say <laughs> A learned couch potato. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, you were hard at work. Oh, my word. So I was learning English by listening to the news, mostly, right? And I can hear people speak so fast. And I'm like, oh, oh my yes. gosh, I didn't get none of that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. And then I started listening to cartoons. And then people say the best way to learn English was to actually, you know... Um, view cartoons. So I said, okay, fine. I just want to start looking at cartoons and I love cartoons characters anyway. Yeah. So I was like, I'm into cartoons now. So that's all I did. That's so and awesome. that's how I, you know, I learned. And then I, when I got my green card, I applied for a job at a restaurant. So I actually worked as a pastry assistant in a restaurant oh, wow. uh, for three years while I was going to school as a medical assistant, to become a medical assistant. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And now um, we fast forward to today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. and here we are. So, um I I want to talk a little bit more as Matt alluded to earlier about the you know what's new with the company and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But something that I think is foundational is something that I read um that uh the the sort of real story behind Mola is um about fighting the stigma around African cuisine. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what you mean by that? And what maybe that stigma is? Oh, <laughs> literally, what it is is that what I found in in not just in New Hampshire, right? In in the United States in general, the places that I have visited, except Georgia, <laughs> because Georgia is very diverse, right? Um, in every corner, in corner in Georgia, you're gonna find um, some type of African cuisine somewhere and you have people that comes there and they purchase food, they're more adventurous, mm-hmm. right? In New Hampshire, 
zero adventures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's, I, that's kind of it. That's sometimes. what I found. Yeah. But but <laughs> what I hear is people tell me, "Oh yeah, I'm an adventurous eater. I love to try new food." But when they are presented mm-hmm. with new food, right, they don't dare trying it. And then you have the stigma around Africans already, because when you talk African cuisine, you have to also talk about the people in general, because the people, the African are mostly viewed as less than the rest of the crowd, the rest of the population, like less educated, uh, less um, uh, uh, cultural, uh, less... um, the food doesn't taste possibly good because they are so less educated and less this and less that, mm. right? Which means that our food is not appealing to most of the people because already we are the third world country. Who really want to go there? I have someone who told me one time, I don't want to go to Africa. There is nothing for me to see there. <sighs> Everything that I want to see is here. <sighs> and or I have someone ask me, do you guys have clothes? I say, no, when no. I came to the you know, airplane, they gave me clothes. I was naked and they gave me clothes. <laughs> At least you have a sense of humor in a way about some of it. But, you know, so oh, wow. when I started and really what started making me go towards that stigma and making people so that I can educate people about my products more was that as I am introducing my products to the community, I realized that people were off-ported by the fact that it says African spices or African thing. And they will ask me questions like, you make them in Africa before you bring them here? I'm like, does that make a difference? Yeah. I don't know what those people do. I'm like, wow. uh, Those people is actually me. (laughs) I'm standing right here, Mm. you know, but I will laugh, but then it will be something in the back of my mind. Like, why does it make me so different than the rest of the people. So I realized that actually this is an educational opportunity for me to Mm -hmm. make people understand that, you know, Africans or African food is not different. And actually African food is what made the rest of the food Right. If people have Italian food or French cuisine or Mm -hmm. all those other things is because when Christopher Colomb was going through all his, you know, travels and stuff like that, he brought his corn and millet and all those type of things. But he came in and grabbed other things and brought it back with him Mm. that he discovered. And that's how you were able to have uh, some type of taste in your food or something of that nature, because they grabbed that knowledge Mm. from the African continent and brought it here. French cuisine is so renowned now because of what? It's because of Africa. You know, that's the reason why that cuisine is renowned. So to me, essentially coming from a very much a like a melting pot of all the African food Mm -hmm. in one place, uh, being Cameroon, I was really taken aback by that. Like I have this, you guys just, just don't understand the, the cuisine in Africa or the diversity or the, the um, you know, the amount of deliciousness that you can get from trying African cuisine. So mm-hmm. to me, I wanted to understand why 
people felt that way with regard to cuisine of Africa. And a lot of people would tell me, well, you guys put too many things in addition, just it's not appealing to us, right? And so I say, well, that's how people cook. This is, that's how the African dishes are. But then it made kind of a sense to me at some point to realize that maybe the presentation sometimes matter, right? How mm-hmm. you present. It's not that the food is bad. It's that maybe the presentation matter. Maybe the way those people have seen African food based on how some people have presented the food were off-putting to them. So what if that food is presented in a different light to them and really brought to the forefront so that they can actually try it and decide for themselves if that's something that they want to continue to try? A little bit like Chinese cuisine, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit like... uh, Italian cuisine, not when they first came here, Greek cuisine, it was not received the same like it is acclaimed now, right? Now everybody's eating Chinese, Italian, you know, Greek. It wasn't like that before. So I I want to be that person that bring the African cuisine in the forefront and make people understand, at least here in New Hampshire, because I don't have to do that in New York. <laughs> I don't have to do that right. in Georgia because right. it's already a known fact. But mm-hmm. here in New Hampshire, I want people to be able to understand that African cuisine is not off-putting. It's, there is no, it shouldn't be a stigma. It should be something that they need to embrace. And actually, if they say they're adventurous, venture to the mm, African actually, cuisine lane. <laughs> and, and so you're not just um, expanding people's palates, but their minds and their perceptions. Yeah. Correct. And you've also been expanding the business itself. So um, in addition to the restaurant and the spices and the relishes, um, you now have um, you're teamed up with a nutritionist uh, to develop a, a meal diet plan and now you also have a line of drinks can you talk about how and why you got into all that (laughs) it's amazing so you remember at the beginning i said when my friend told me about you know starting this business i told him i will start it but i will start it on my own way Mm -hmm. like i will do it the way i feel like my vision like i had a vision and and that is the vision that i'm putting forefront, right? So my vision for Mola Food was that when I finally came to the idea and say, yeah, I'm embracing this idea, I can actually do this, was to um, have a company that will be able to bring Africa into it what Africa is when it comes to food and beverages. Mm-hmm. What is what is the culture like, right? So in so doing, we started with the spices, the spice blends, and we we go through different countries, Ethiopia, Morocco, and kind of like give you the culture of each part of Africa and, and so forth. We just mm-hmm. don't really circle into Africa. We have Middle East in there. We have French there and stuff. Mm-hmm. We kind of like go around the world, kind of like bringing the culture in there. And then I say, well, hello, now that we have the spices and we're working on the spice and we, you know, we keep um, expanding it, let's bring in um, sauces 
let's bring in condiments, mm-hmm. uh, let's bring in um, snacks. The, my favorite snack growing up, and it still is, is plantains, mm-hmm. right? So we make plantain chips as our snack, oh. right? So plantain chips, the way I grew up making it in Africa is how I make it in our packages so that I can also um, have other people in New Hampshire try you know, the plantain, the way I grew up eating it in Africa, right? And and so then after the plantain, I say, well, how about the drinks? What, what are the drinks that are really popular in Africa that I can bring to the community of New Hampshire? Mm-hmm. And so to me, that, that was the concept. Now, I wanted people to have a location where when they came in, they sensed, they felt like they're in a tropical space, like they felt like they're in Africa somewhere, in some African place, right? And bring that kind of a African vibe magic to them in that location so that when you enter my location, you feel like you're on vacation somewhere in Africa. You just don't know where because I didn't essentially made it where it would be like Moroccan feel or whatever feel. It's just a feel, a feeling when you get in, you just have this sense that you're on vacation suddenly. And mm-hmm. that's, that was important to me um, to have a place of gathering for people. Mm-hmm. And so when I created all of that and I say, okay, well, now, if I'm telling people that African cuisine is great, how do I introduce that to them? Not just um, with my spices, but actually have the food for mm-hmm. them to actually mm-hmm. taste it. Mm-hmm. And so came the idea of the food so that we can actually make a fusion of our spices with the food and also a way for people to see how it's used. That's so awesome. And then so as I'm doing that and with the food and the spices and stuff like that, I had people saying that, well, does African food can make you lose weight, right? And I say, you know, I don't know. I think any food can make you lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) Everything in moderation. (laughs) It's all about that portion control. (laughs) Exactly. So then came the weight loss, you know, meal plan Mm -hmm. uh, to help people with um, our job is not, we're not saying that we come have our food, you're going to lose weight on this food. Our job is to say, we want to help you in your journey of, you know, of doing this meal program. If you say, well, I need to, you know, go ahead and lose a couple of pounds, but I don't have time, right, to cook. Then we say, we want to cook for you. But the only way we're going to cook for you is that you're going to have to try African cuisine Mm. because we are going to cook for you and create meal plan and meal portion that are low in fat or low in gluten, whatever the the, the thing is that will allow you to, will help you into this journey, right? And so was born the, the meal plan for yeah, with us. It's you're creating an experience around yes, this, that's and, and what it is. I love when entrepreneurs do that because that is sort of a recipe, no pun intended, for success. Is creating an experience, and 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 it's awesome to hear uh, the experience that you've had and created so far. Um, before we go, tell our listeners um, where they can find you online, and then remind them where the shop is in Nashua. How do they find you online first? Online is www.molafoods.com. Okay. Or they can 
can find us on Instagram, mm-hmm. at Culture in a Bottle, uh, or Facebook, Culture in a Bottle still. Culture in a Bottle. Culture in a Bottle, yeah. And uh, we have a spice storefront, take in, take out, dining, tasting, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you name it, experience. Right. And they can find that at 9 Simon Street in Nashua, New Hampshire. That's beautiful. LaFortune Jeanette Jabia is founder and president of Mola Foods and absolutely a champion of African cuisine. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. <laughs> I'm not going to take that lightly. Thank you. <laughs> And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. New American entrepreneurs are an important part of our startup culture here in the United States and in New Hampshire. And we have a fund here in New Hampshire that allows those who want to pursue the American dream to do so. It's called the New Americans Loan Fund that from the Regional Economic Development Center. And since its start just a couple of years ago, it's closed 32 loans that total $1.2 million and has resulted in the creation of dozens of jobs here in the state. Well, the Regional Economic Development Center is looking to put more funds to use uh, for new Americans and so is seeking corporate partners to buy tax credits to help with the 2022 New Hampshire New American Loan Fund. So you can find out more uh, by going to the Regional Economic Development Center website and to see how you can support the next American dream. That's the buzz. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. We're champions for, for, for small business all the time. And often, get this, franchises are not thought of as small business simply because they are part of a much larger organization. But for a moment, let's think of them as a small business. And that's kind of easy in this case, right? They're owned by a local individual or team. They employ, in most cases, well under the SBA's 500 employee definition, and they are supporting the local economy by hiring locally and often as part of a business model giving back to community. To become a franchise owner, though, you're going to need cash, right? Franchise fees, initial investments, which often include a a physical build-out of some kind. So while McDonald's, Sonic, and Duncan – And New Hampshire-owned Planet Fitness are among the top 15 franchises and, by the way, some of the most expensive to get into, according to NerdWallet. uh, There's also a list of affordable franchises like Cruise Planners, which exists in New Hampshire, an $11,000 franchise fee. Or Fit for Mom Fitness, five to $10,000 franchise fees. And I don't mean to get you all inspired, but Jazzercise... Franchise fees only twelve hundred bucks with an initial investment of twenty five hundred to thirty eight thousand. That's doable, right? Little jazzer size. Point being, there are different types of businesses for different types of people and teams. Maybe a franchise is right for you in your community. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. Sorry, we're not a franchise. Find more at our website, CardinalConsultingNH.com, or on social at Cardinal Consulting NH. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. 
And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. <laughs>